and welcome to the 130th episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. My name is Samantha Blackman, and I'm an associate professor here at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana, where I talk about, read about, write about, dream about, amongst other things, video games, video games, video games. And we are joined tonight um, by the wonderful, brilliant, uh, and also generous for giving us his time, Evan Narcisse. Good evening, Evan. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Good show. Thank you for coming. So I have to tell you that within my own family, the pronunciation of, of our last name differs. I, I, I go with Narcisse. Other oh. people say Narcisse. Like, I don't really care that much, but people like to be sticklers. I, if, if you are amongst them, feel free, but it's fine. I answer to both. All. No, I'm a stickler for the way my name is pronounced. So from now on, you will always, forevermore in my heart, be Evan Narciss. Oh, it's nice to know I've made it into your heart. <laughs> I uh, I get that a lot, too. About half the people I know call me Alicia, and the other half call me Alicia. I don't care about that, but if somebody mispronounces my last name, I get super irate. How, how do you pronounce your first name? It's Oh, my first name? Yeah. My mama calls me Alicia. I figure that Alicia. one's the one that counts. Okay, and your last name? My last name is Carabinus. Carabinus, okay. Got it. <laughs> Firm on the last name. So you heard that Holly Hunter come through <laughs> right then, didn't you? When she was like, yeah, did. Mama I called did. me Alicia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. Anyway, continue. <laughs> the thing. So, as usual, we'll jump in and we'll do the usual what you're playing, what you're reading, what you're drinking. Um, and because we try to be uh, polite around here as much as possible as we at least we try to start out that way we'll start with you evan um and ask you what have you been playing lately what have i been playing lately so um you guys may know that um i'm no longer a kotaku it was a totally amicable parting um so i'm not playing games as much as i used to uh, i'm playing them for fun and not for work which is great yeah i'm starting to enjoy them again um uh the last um, major game I played, the last new, I should say, new-ish game I played was Uncharted 4. I finished that a couple of weeks ago, and I wrote something about that. Um, but the thing I've been playing steadily, like, almost every night, every other night for fun, has been Tekken Tag Tournament 2, um, which came out on the PS3 about four or five years ago. I don't remember, but I'm a huge Tekken fan. Like, with fighting games, I wrote something ages ago where I said, like, fight... Allegiance to a fighting game is like allegiance to a political party. Like you, once you've like you've, <laughs> you've, you've caught up all, you caught yourself, got yourself all caught up in the rhetoric of 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 the game design, the moves, the characters, the lore. Like you know, you you have to kind of wave that flag. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 you know, like if you're a, a centrist Democrat, you know. Like you, you, you adhere to the values of, of how you identify, right? And what that means and the people in, in that community. It's the same thing with fighting games, you know? The people who play uh, uh, Street Fighter talk shit about people who play Marvel versus Capcom and they, and they talk trash about the people who play Mortal Kombat. Um, um, and tech is my game. It just has been since like college. And, and I, you know, I, I, I'll mess with Mortal Kombat a little bit too, but. Um, what I've been playing mostly of late has been Tekken Tag Tournament 2, which is really interesting because it's kind of, uh, it's not quite dead, but it's like, 
it's got a community still playing it. Um, I play it in ghost mode, which is where you can play against the avatars of other players that have their moves algorithmically recorded and then represented. So you're not playing against them in real time. So I still feel like I'm fighting, I'm fighting other people, but just not in real time. So I don't have to worry about the stress that comes with that or the trash talk or the strangers. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm playing them kind of at their uh, uh, mechanized best, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but it had a really great character customization. So part of the reason I keep playing is to see like the crazy, like mixed up designs um, that people made with the various customization op- options they unlocked. So uh, it's really, really fun. And there's a new Tekken coming later this year. Uh, and I hope that it has the same kind of customization because it's, um, it's a fun thing to do um, um, when they give you a lot of um, cool options. So that's what I've been playing, Tekken Tag Tournament 2. Cool. I, I just want to say that I completely agree with your grand unified theory of fighting games. Uh, and I never thought about it that way, but now that you've mentioned it, I'm thinking about people I know who play fighting games, and I definitely see those lines. Yeah. And the worst thing about it, maybe the best, is that <laughs> you are so dedicated to your game that, yeah, like you said, you'll play other games. Like, I'll play Marvel vs. Capcom sometimes, but like you will also forgive your game yeah, <laughs> severe transgressions for a while oh, yeah. the lines yeah. get crossed because like my game was Soul Calibur for a long time and mm-hmm. then like as the titties got bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. eventually it was like, <laughs> like hey I'm just not gonna bad. have to give it like, up I can't ignore this anymore yeah, yeah you're like okay, they're now so big that this is my entire screen I think yeah. I'm gonna have to call it but and, like Tack is supposed to be a ninja because <laughs> <laughs> into any kind of tight spaces like are those balloons. Like what's happening? I don't know. So yeah, it took a long time, though, longer than it should have. And I think I think you hit on the reason. And I feel kind of ashamed. No, I mean, look. It's like I emerged from an addiction. But but you know, like this is the thing about video games, right? Like, in order to embrace the things you like about them, you're gonna have to, you know, contend with the things you don't. And. That that's that happens more and more as as the medium continues to grow. So, and you know, we're yeah. right now we're in a cultural moment where some some people don't even want those conversations to happen, um, while others think they're vital for the continued existence of the medium. So, yeah. Hashtag Vigi Games. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alicia, what you playing, darling? I don't want to say. Uh oh. Wow. You got to. I know. I know. I'll do the good ones and then I'll I'll <laughs> offer up the confession. Um so after the E three announcements, of course, I had to go back and play some State of Decay. because, um, you know, it is my ultimate uh forever game. And uh I did some of that. And at, we went to a conference last month and uh, I finally started playing Hearthstone. I've avoided Hearthstone for so long. But Two of my friends that I was at the conference with were playing Hearthstone constantly. So after like two days of that, you can't avoid it anymore. So you're like, all right, I'm going to sit down and play Hearthstone. Uh, So that's been a really awful obsession for the last month. But here's the bad thing. Here's the worst thing. I was in a class with Sam. (laughs) And for the last week of the class, she made us play World of Warcraft. And I haven't played World of Warcraft since 2010. And I have a legendary hate for World of Warcraft. I do not like World of Warcraft, but I had to re-up my subscription for class, and so I don't want to waste it, so I've been playing World of Warcraft, but I'm angry every time I log in. 
Ouch. That hurts. <laughs> I really enjoy making money. That's fun. I like to go out and kill a bunch of stuff and sell things. It's fun. But I don't like every other person in my in realm. Game. So yeah. if you're out there and you're listening, I'm sorry if I just insulted you, but I probably dislike you if you're playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> so you were, never, you, you were never like a day-in, day-out player for, for World of Warcraft? I, I played it for a little while with friends, um, and I, I was a hater uh, the whole time. I played Final Fantasy XI way back in the day. That was my Interesting. MMO. Um, and so when World of Warcraft came along, I thought it was super ugly. Right. And then by the time yeah. I got to it, they had started dumbing it down, and then I was just angry all the time. And now I, I log in, and everything's really dumbed down and super easy, and I can like stroll in naked to places and just solo stuff. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then the worst thing is that they have this automatic guild invite thing now, and people will send me random guild invites the minute I log in, and they're so full of grammatical errors, and I'm like, A, I don't know you, so I don't want to right. join your guild. B, you don't know how to use a comma, so why would I want to talk to you in text for hours? <laughs> I have a lot of feelings. So when you were playing Final Fantasy XI, which platform were you playing it on? I played on PC. Uh, okay. I, had, I had it also on PS2, but, I mean, it, it was so much better you know, on PC because you could... Yeah. Macro. And they, they they ended support on PS2 relatively early. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think the, the PC version just ended, right? Like, maybe, like, this year. Uh, I remember seeing some news about that. I could be wrong, but yeah. And you're not, you're, not, you're not messing with Final Fantasy XIV uh, at all. No. Um, I, I thought about it several times, and then I thought, why would I do that to myself? I, I'm in a PhD program, and I have children, right. and I probably need to eat. Yeah. <laughs> All very important things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to flunk out of my PhD program either because Sam's, you know, my person. <laughs> she knows where I live. Nice. Yep. <laughs> All right, Sam, it's your turn. All right, so what have I been playing? Okay, so I, I have a monkey on my back, and it's a little bit like Stardew Valley. So I've been okay. playing a whole lot of Stardew Valley. Um Always. And it's horrible because I'll sit and I'll say, you know what? I'm just going to run in and, you know, play a couple of days in Stardew Valley. You know, plant some stuff, do a little dungeon crawling, and pop back out. You know, 15 minutes, half an hour tops. <laughs> Four or five hours later, I'm I'm done for the evening. <laughs> That's why I don't like those job games. You know, where like you have shit you have to do because you can never just play for a little bit because there's always more stuff to do. You can't. And it's it's even worse for me because I don't most games I don't play until after until after my daughter goes to bed. So, it's not even like I'm playing in the middle of the day and I'm just using up my day. Right. It's, it's like I'm playing <laughs> at night, which means I don't get any sleep. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then to make it worse, I started okay, so when the when Diablo three came out, when it first came out, I played it on PC for a while. And it was just like I was like, you know what, this is not a PC game for me. Because I'm not gonna invest in a thirty inch monitor to play Diablo. So this it was just I was like, I need to see more and I need to see, you know, and I need to be able to see detail more. So I played it for a while, but I didn't really get into it. But, you know, and then I started when it was when it came out on Xbox One, I was kind of looking at it like sideways, like that might be nice. But I was like, nope, I I could really get into that. So I need to leave it alone. <laughs> and then um, about two weeks ago, I was 
in GameStop for whatever reason. <clears throat> and it was there. And I and I was looking at it and I was like, oh, well, you know what? I got like, I had like a 20% off coupon in, in my little GameStop app. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and buy this. That was the stupidest thing I have ever done. Mm. I have seen the sun rise probably three days a week since I bought that game. <laughs> Which game is this again? Diablo 3. Oh, yeah, no, I know. A bunch of my co- former co-workers at Kotaku were like, yeah, it's it, it will get its hooks in you bad. Yeah. And it's horrible. I have, I mean, like, literally, I will be sitting there playing, and it will seem like I've only been playing for, like, an hour or so. And then I'll start hearing birds tweeting outside and shit, and I'll turn <laughs> around, and the sun will be coming up, and I'm like, wait a minute, what just happened? That's rough. Sam, you need to have a personalized sign in GameStop when you walk in that says poor impulse control. <laughs> they know it already. They know it. That's why they smile when they see me walk in yeah. the door. Mm-hmm. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and it's not poor impulse control. Get it right, Alicia Carabinus. It's no impulse control. <laughs> okay, well, at least you're honest with yourself. I am. I'm horrible. I cannot not buy things. Um... So yeah, that uh, Stardew Valley, Diablo. Um, what else have I been playing? Oh, I started playing um, Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time on the 3DS again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, not for me. I, my my daughter was really interested in playing, um, and it's her first Zelda game. Okay. So, um, I had to. Does, walk her does she get sad? Does she, did she get sad? Yeah. Why you didn't like Ocarina of Time? It's a sad game. I mean, it's not as sad as Majora's Mask, but no, like... it's not as sad as Majora's Mask. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I thought about it because I was looking through like my my carts and I was like, oh, which one, which one should I pull out for her? Because um, you know what, it, I'll say it's her first uh, Zelda game she's played by herself. We've played. Oh, okay. Which one did we play on the sixty four together before? Um, I can't remember which one was Well, uh, Ocarina of Time was a sixty and sixty four title, right? It must have been. It must have. I think Ocarina both of those. Time. Both of those were. Yeah, yeah, I know it was. So it must have been Ocarina of Time because it wasn't Majora's Mask. Um, and then so when she started playing it this time, she was like, "Oh, it looks just like the other one we were playing." Oh, okay. Um, but um, she's. I was about to say only seven. She turned eight yesterday. Um nice. So we were we were walking through and and I was showing her. You know, here's how we do this. Here's how we play. And, you know, she's, like I said, she's eight. And so she still tries to skip a lot of the text. She's like, I'm not reading all this. I'm like, well, you're not going to know what the hell you're supposed to be doing if you don't right. read this. <laughs> so there's method to my madness. Um, so I've been playing a little bit of that with her as she started to walk through. Because I want, you know, it's like if you're going to get hooked on stuff, you might as well get hooked on good stuff. I yes. make my son play the original Zelda first. Oof. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I oof. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hope he doesn't have like frustration tolerance issues because that's why we play together, and then it's okay. okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so yeah, my that... daughter is is too young still to um, she's five. Um, she's turning six, uh, and um, at the end of the year she'll be six. Um, she's she's just starting to learn how to read confidently. So, like. Um, over the years doing what I've done I always got the question like when should I start like letting my kid play video games like when they can read confidently when they can read and they can figure out words without asking you every other one 
is when you should start letting them play. Um, because if, if, you know, if, if you're translating for them, then it's not going to be that much fun for them or you. Um, so she's got a little while to go yet. Uh, there's a few like, um, app, app style games on the phone or iPad. I let her play, but nothing that's like really, um, built out, um, intricately from a game design perspective. Yeah. I think the first game like that, that required a good amount of reading that my son played and my son and Sam's daughter go to school together, uh, was a costume quest. Oh, neat! Yeah, and and yeah. he was he because he, he was still just like struggling with reading, but he really wanted to play it, so he was trying to figure everything out on his own. It was so cute. So we got him. Um, Sam, what the hell is the name of the game where you draw stuff? Scribble knots. Yes, that one. Oh yeah, yeah. And okay. my husband made him a book with like a guide. Like here's different items, and he drew all these little pictures. That's so he very knew, cute. He knew what to do, and then he could take some of that text back with him when mm. he was playing. Oh. Uh, um, Costume Quest. It was really nice. My yeah. husband's great. I'm a big fan. Costume Quest is is a fun <laughs> game, but the text moves so fast. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard for me sometimes because <laughs> I'm like, oh, what did it, what did I say? I just missed that whole screen. <laughs> um, yeah, because my daughter was because uh, like Costume Quest Two was was uh, free with Xbox Gold this month, and she's like, oh, Costume Quest Two, I want to play this. Um, and uh, the text was moving so fast, and she's like, "I can." I was like, "Nope, we, we're gonna we're gonna wait on that a little bit because that Aww. text is still moving super fast, and there's no way yeah. to slow it down." Yeah. yeah. So, uh, just like the the thing with Minecraft Story Mode, it being really really fast, like you don't have a lot of time to make the decisions. Yeah, yeah. They were they were they were kind of frustrated. That's a telltale game, though. That's how they do it. Yeah, but for Minecraft Story Mode, you would think they would have slowed it down. I think all of the kids have enjoyed watching videos of people playing that more than they've actually enjoyed playing it. Right. Yes, for that reason. Oh my God! Because I've seen Stampy Cat play that whole damn game. <laughs> Can we not ever talk about Stampy Cat? Oh, yeah. See, Evan, you don't have to put up with that yet. No, I, not yet. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to stave it off. Like, I do let her watch a little bit of YouTube, but like, no, 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 per, nothing that's personality driven or celebrity driven. Her like, time will come. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to deal with it graciously. <laughs> Might as well practice now because you ain't going to feel that way later. Um, nice. I'm sure Stabby Cat is a wonderful man. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so that's what we're playing. Oh, and we have to back up because I was so excited to get started talking that we forgot to do like real introductions. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything, but you sure did. I, I catch myself. <laughs> I really do. Um, and I'm and I'm horrible for doing it. I was so excited to get started talking. Damn it! So I told I said who I was. Evan, can you tell us who you are? Yeah, um, <laughs> you tell us about your family and your life and everything. Yeah, okay. my name is Evan. Ar- I'm, my name is Evan Artis. Uh, yeah. Let's do that over. <laughs> my name is Evan Narciss. Um, I'm a pop culture critic, writer, journalist. Um, I have been writing about uh, video games, comics, movies, a little bit of music for about 15 years, maybe longer. Um, and um, I currently work at io9, which is a nerd culture site as part of the Gawker Media um, group. Before that, I worked at Kotaku, which is a video game site also within Gawker. Um, I worked at Kotaku for uh, four and a half years 
and I've been at IO9 for um, about a month and a half now. Um, and it's great. I love what I do. I love being able to do it. Um, I call myself a professional nerd, and uh, I hope that the emphasis is on the professional as much as it is as on the nerd. Um, and that's and that's who I am. Yay. Alicia? Hmm. Carabinus? I'm a big fan of IO9. That's who I am. <laughs> we appreciate right that. Thank you. Well, I mean, now the quality may have gone down. I don't know. Oh, I'm just kidding. Nice. Um, <laughs> I can't like just let you be happy. Uh, it wouldn't be me. Um, I'm Alicia. I'm the resident hater of Not Your Mama's Gamer. Uh, I'm a PhD student at Purdue, and I've missed like a month of podcasts. What's yes, that about? I know. I'm sorry. I'm sure they weren't nearly as good without me. Um, well, maybe they were better, but that's okay. Go ahead. And uh, and I'm actually right now listing things on the auction house in World of Warcraft. <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> we'll have to do an intervention I hate soon. myself so much. The subscription runs out July 2nd. <laughs> counting the days. Alright. So, <laughs> we now that we've gone completely out of order, let's try to jump back in and say... <laughs> um, I, so, I can start with what we're drinking. Is that what we're doing next? We can do what you're drinking next. Wait. Uh, I just finished, like, Two fingers of bourbon. Um, it was Henry McKenna, um, and it's quite delicious. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I chase my I chase my brown liquor with lemonade. So I'm mean, you. You can make up a name to call me for that, but I, I just no, I, mm. I approve. I completely approve. Yeah, we're down. We're here for that. Good. There you go. I like I can... any kind of like a uh, brown liquor sour sort of jam happening. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I like it mixed together in a cocktail, but I like just sometimes I just like to chase it with with uh, some lemonade or something. I don't know that I've ever done that, but I'm going to change that perhaps today. Now that you mentioned it, or remember the old um, before they bottled it. It was before they bottled it when they you, when you could still like get one like mixed at a bar. The old Lynchburg lemonades that were made with Jack Daniels. Yes, those were wonderful. I have had many nights where I've had three or four too many of those nice um, yeah (laughs) so i can definitely feel you on brown liquor lemonade good it's a movement it is movement we should bring that back we should bring it back because they kind of ruined it when they bottled it and people were drinking that garbage um we should bring it back people drink a lot of garbage Mm -hmm. sometimes it's okay sometimes it's sam i mean Well, we're gonna call this one the Low Blow Podcast. Uh-huh, I yeah, I wasn't. I was not prepared for this. <laughs> I'm sorry. She didn't tell you about me. All right. What you drinking, Alicia? I'm drinking a whiskey ginger. Nice. Mm. And I found I because I, we, we we just moved recently. I found my uh, my fake ice cubes. They're like I don't know. They're like some kind of plastic. Probably gonna kill me. Mm-hmm. Um. So that you don't have to water down your beverages. I was really excited to throw those in my glass tonight. But it still keeps it cold. Yeah, I've heard of those. Yeah. I've never tried them. Yeah. yeah. They're awesome. I probably will get the cancer. But it might be worth it. Might be. I, um, well, I guess it's my turn. Mm-hmm. I was good. Okay, so here's the thing. I was going to go to the pack store 
to get some alcohol, something to get some, to get, I was actually looking for a pineapple cider is what I was looking for. Uh, I love pineapple ciders. Uh, um, cause you know, I actually didn't, I actually didn't have to, wasn't going to have to hire a babysitter to go to the liquor store <laughs> since my mother is in town and I completely spaced it and forgot to go on the way home. So I am actually drinking what I had at home and I figured I was going to be up cause I got to get up in the morning. Um, so I am drinking a, uh, uh I'm drinking a Vandermill cider again. I know. Okay. I know it's horrible. Mm-mm. I'm drinking a Vanderbilt totally roasted cider. Um, it sounds fancy. It They're is, so good. Uh, Vanderbilt is a. I'm I'm a Michigander. I'm a native Michigander. It is a, a cider uh, a cider mill in Michigan, and they brew a hard they brew hard ciders, and the totally roasted. If you like ciders at uh, at all, it is a dry cider. Um, but the totally roasted is um, made with cinnamon, pecan, and vanilla. Oof. Yeah. And if you like apple ciders, I, I have I have I have probably had a fair share of ciders over the over the years. <laughs> and this is the best cider I've ever put in my mouth. I prefer the blue gold myself. No. Mm-mm. That's but, the blueberry apple one. This yes, one with good. the with the cinnamon, the pecan, and the vanilla is like the best cider I've ever put in my mouth, and I will drink this all day long if you let me. Their ciders are really good. We we drink a lot of cider around here. Yeah, we do. It sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. We're we're like cider experts at this point, but you know what? I'm okay with it. If you got to be an expert in something, might as well be something delicious. And I think yeah. that's that's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty weird to be drinking cider still at this time of the year because I drink a lot of vodka in the summertime. <laughs> um, at least she'll tell you it's like she'll come to my house and be like the middle of the day, and she's I'm, she's like I'm like thirsty. She's like yeah, and I pull out vodka, and <laughs> it's like here that's vodka. But um, and to talk about lemonades, uh, I'm a big fan of the sneaky sneaky, which. Is a drink that I first had in this in a restaurant called George's Juke Joint um, in Atlanta. Um, it is sweet tea flavored vodka and lemonade. Whoa! And yeah, I've had, I think I've had that too. It's yeah. pretty amazing. It's yes, called it Sneaky Sneaky because it will sneak up on you because you don't taste the alcohol. So, I made fun of her for a long time until she made me one, and then I didn't make fun of her anymore. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> She learned you. Um, she did. Sometimes she does that. Yeah, so ciders and vodkas I'm a big fan of. Um, I'm also I'm a huge fan of sour mash whiskeys too, so those are all good things for me. So your so your brown liquor and lemonade was right up my alley. Now I want a cider. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I thought this was a video game podcast. All right, should we talk about video games? <laughs> yes, let's talk about some video games. <clears throat> talk about a lot of things. <laughs> we have talked. We have debated starting a beer podcast. Yeah. Is what we debated doing. We only want to do it if we have sponsorship. <laughs> and get beer. Um. So, uh, I, I always I thought in my um, one of my more lucid moments that it would be a wonderful idea. To have Evan come on and talk to us about uh, 
racing games because there's I don't know what they out there tearing up. Uh, racing games because uh, sounds like you're saying racing games. Racing games, yes. No, not, racing not games. Not games where you drive cars very fast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the that's the Detroit girl in me that makes me talk really, really, really quickly. Okay, I will slow it down to talk about race and games um, because you know it's a subject that is near and dear to our hearts. Um, well, because I make everybody think about it. Um, it's like, hey, you think about this. Um, and so, I completely just based on what I was just gonna say. Send <laughs> uh, <laughs> some cutting in the future. Uh, yeah. So I thought it would be a really good idea for us to get together and talk about racing games. So, so Evan has joined us and has kindly agreed to have this conversation with us. Um, and I'm really excited uh, to have this conversation tonight, which is probably why I skipped introductions. So, um, one of the things that I want to talk about, and, and Evan, I'm going to put you on the spot because I know you probably, um, you probably kind of watched E3. Uh, footage were you at e3 saying no i was not i I was not this is the first first year in many years where i did not attend or cover the show in any kind of capacity so that was a little bit different for me but um i watched the major kind of press conferences um for the first two days and i i still kept an eye on news and stuff um uh via twitter and kotaku and, Mm. and talking to friends so i i have a fair sense of what was shown um yeah but i didn't cover it in a meaningful way mm-hmm. this year so i think it, it was gonna be fun to talk about um talk about race in games in general but i also want to talk about i also want to talk about uh e3 a little bit um yeah this was a weird e3 it was um, a real mm. weird e3 mm-hmm. i mean i feel like there wasn't a ton of surprise last year was like the year of surprises and i feel like a banner year one that's going to be set of standard in terms of oh shit moments yeah <laughs> um um i think sony had a strong showing they've had a strong showing um generally uh in the ps4 era because they lead with the games and 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 the visions of the games and i feel like you can't go wrong they th- this year they hardly spent any time talking about the platform nope um um or like their business strategies or whatever like they showed games like that last year was the same thing. They had like two gigantic oh shit moments with the Shenmue reveal mm-hmm. and um, the Final Fantasy VII um, HD remake. Um, they didn't have anything quite on that level this year, but you know, like they 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 they, they made vapor condense into an actual real game with uh, the Last Guardian. They showed it again. Mm-hmm. They gave you a date that like it's coming. You're gonna be able to play it after like almost 10 years in development um yeah so they had a strong show microsoft you know is interesting because um they are in a more embattled position they're putting out new hardware um to kind of catch up i think the 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 xbox slim was announced the xbox one slim was announced um and i think that's gonna be at a lower price point um um so that's a you know using a console cycle console cycles have been anywhere from like five to seven years. So this is them kind of like doing a refresh along the lines of what we see with Apple, right? Like mm-hmm. where you put out, you, you refresh your hard, hardware in a quicker iteration while also at the same time talking about a newer, more powerful version of their machine um, that's coming out uh, probably in the next two, three years. Uh, mind you, Sony also has um, the, the PS4 Neo, which is coming out 
mm-hmm. probably in the same time frame. It's going to be, you know, improved hardware, better processing, shinier, faster, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but they didn't talk about it. Uh, Microsoft did because it, it probably kind of feels like they have to if they want to achieve some kind of parity um, um, from a hardware perspective. But the, the more interesting thing that Microsoft is starting to talk about is you're starting to see them merging platforms, right? Uh, there's a lot of games that you buy on, on one platform, buy on the Xbox, you'll be able to get the PC version for free. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah. that's not exciting, you know? That's not a game. That's not, like, an experience <laughs> I want to jump into. Um, and, and, and I think part of the problem with Microsoft... Uh, and the Xbox is their first party catalog is getting long in the tooth and it's not super exciting. The Halos are not as exciting as they used to be. The same thing with the Gears of War. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't even think of any other first party franchises from Microsoft that are like, you know, can move the needle in any significant way. Crackdown they talked about and showed a little bit last year, but Crackdown was always like a B level kind of uh, uh, franchise for me anyway. Like it's it's not something like. Uh, I, I need to save, count my pennies and save up to get an Xbox for the next crackdown. Like, it's it's never been that, on that level for me. So it's interesting. And you know, Nintendo, they said earlier in the year they're only going to be showing Zelda at E3, and they, they showed a little bit of um, the new po- Pokemon games that are coming out, and and mostly Zelda. And the Zelda game looks beautiful, but the problem is the Wii U is 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 on its last legs and um, severely underperformed. And all the Nintendo faithful are waiting for the next uh, console, the NX, and they didn't talk about that this year. So Nintendo's very much in a holding pattern where they need to um, uh, count on their faithful to and 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 the Zelda game to get them over the hump. You know, like th- this is the first time in two console generations where I have not owned a Nintendo console. Um, I never got a Wii U. Um, um, I don't regret the decision, even though I know there's lots of good games on it. Um, but it, it 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 never moved me. The, the the software catalog for this for this particular console has never moved me enough to like decide. Okay, I need to plunk down my money and get it. Um, uh, so you know they they have a long road ahead of them. I mean, some of the stuff I'm starting to see, which is not you know well sourced enough or vetted enough for me to put much stock into, but some people are saying you know. They're going to try and make a move back to the casual gaming audience that they nurtured and kind of um, uh, reap the benefits of with the Wii, and they're going to try and uh, try and get some of those people back with the NX. We'll see, mm-hmm. but that we're we're talking about like you know six seven years gone at this point. Like a lot of those people have moved on. The grandmas and the grandpas are like, they ain't trying to buy an NX at like. Four or five hundred bucks, whatever it's going to release at. Like they're they're yeah. they're. You know, I think you've lost them. So the 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 big question is whether you can pull that gambit off again um, for Nintendo. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I I, um, I did buy a Wii U, uh, and, and I have to say that I I don't know why, <laughs> uh, because it really didn't get much play at all for me until. Um, Splatoon came out. Yeah. Um, and I played I played a lot of Splatoon and I played that mostly with my daughter. And I don't think I would have bought a Wii U had it not been for her. Um, but then she kind of quickly 
quickly because kids age quickly got to the point that she aged out of it kind of to be perfectly honest this is like she's like i'm ready for other i'm ready for these other consoles i want these bigger games because she's really interested in um in jrpgs Um, oh yeah so it was kind of like she just kind of aged out of the wii u really quickly and was like i want to play other games um bigger games that you know bigger you know open world kind of games that you can't play on a wii u yeah Um, yeah i mean it's not like the hardware can't support it just the 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 companies weren't developing for that platform like third party developers of warfare the wii u dropped off like ridiculously quickly it was like shocking how fast it was Mm -hmm. like i feel like after that first year you know companies like activision and ea and ubisoft were hardly making wii u games anymore no i mean and and, you know it's kind of quickly games come out and people are like okay it's gonna come out on the xbox one ps4 and the wii u and then like a month later they're like oh we dropped we've dropped the wii u from and i'm like really (laughs) yeah yeah so I completely understand what you're talking about there. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I can say probably for the first time in God knows how long, the the NX is not even on my radar. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, they they they're gonna have to win people over, and and I think the other big challenge facing them is they've they've publicly stated that they're gonna start putting out mobile games uh, this year. Mitomo came out a couple of months ago. It was fun. It's like a social kind of quiz app like you know you get to quiz your friends with questions and you earn stuff like but like in terms of actual game design there's not a ton there and mm-hmm. the, the, the thing about Nintendo that that there's that old adage of never count Nintendo out because they're the secret sauce of their game design their institutional kind of approach to game design has always been like like uh, this amazing ineffable kind of uh, um intuition as to what people what feels good to play right mm-hmm. splatoon was like that you know mm-hmm. when you heard that you know like nintendo was making a multiplayer shooter you're like nintendo they don't get that stuff like they barely get online kind of interactivity and they like they don't their games don't thrive on that kind of stuff but splatoon was a, a, a really interesting game with like a really interesting approach to to uh, multiplayer shooter experience so like you know you want you might want to write off nintendo hitting the mobile market, but, like, they're still Nintendo. They're still the people that make, like, Zelda feel amazing, like, every couple of years, you know? They're still the company that, like, reinvigorates the Mario formula with crazy, insane ideas, like, every time a major installation of the franchise comes out, major installment of the franchise comes out. So you can't count them out. Um, um, But, like, the, the thing that's frustrating about the mobile game market is that uh, it's driven by um, overt, pernicious uh, kind of commercial considerations. So, like, you know, like real kind of like dedication to uh, aesthetics or or you know, games as a creative medium. Like, it's hard for those games to find a toehold um, in the overcrowded, oversaturated, yes, um, um, money hungry uh, uh, um, uh, mobile market. Like. I was talking to a friend of mine about like two years ago, and I think the thing that frustrates me the most about mobile, the mobile gaming market, is like you don't know who makes these things. You know, it's a frustration when it comes to like big AAA mainstream games. Like you don't know who the designers are, whose ideas are my, am I playing through? Like that sense of authorship. Um, sort of, kind of, you can get it in 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 AAA video games because you know certain studios 
do certain things, do them well, or like to explore. Um, that's kind of Arturish, but like there's n- there's very little like that in the mobile game space. And when it does show up, it's generally not uh, these huge commercial successes yeah. the way um, uh, other kind of like calculated um, um, money grabbing games are that are successes. There's successes because they're focus tested to death with strategies that are uh, designed to make you pump um, in money every so often. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's not because they're great, they're well-designed games. It's because they, they know how to put get you to put the next dollar in to keep playing. Exactly. And, and it's it's weird because, you know, people are, because especially because they're mobile games, like you say, it's like people are really hesitant to... To, to pay it all. Yeah, well, to pay it all. And then when you start talking about, like, like they've started to, you know, re-release or release some of the, the old Final Fantasy games. And yeah. they're like 15 bucks. I mean, and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pay 15 bucks to play Final Fantasy on my phone. But people are like, I'm not playing 15 bucks for a phone game. Because that is you just know, kind it's of fully the... fully video game. Like, it's, it's like yeah. a 30, 40 hour experience or longer. But yeah. the problem is, it's back catalog. So all that development work is done. You're not paying... This this is not a, a work that came off the fresh off the assembly line. Like that's this is a game that's existed for a decade, if not more, mm-hmm. and, and and you're just paying for a port. And yeah, while that port porting it um, costs money and takes time, and there is some overhead to recoup there. I don't know if it's that much of overhead. That much <laughs> overhead. Um, and the other thing is, the, I don't play them because I'm not a JRPG guy, but like. The Square Enix's reputation for those Final Fantasy ports is terrible. They're like, they oftentimes don't work, or the graphics get remade in a way that looks makes the game look worse. I hear some of the translations are bad. So like, yeah, like, you know, if you get a reputation like that for yourself, then why bother at all? Yeah. Uh, um, if you're from the consumer point of view. Yeah. So I mean, Nintendo and mobile games is, you know, the, the proof is going to be in the pudding when they actually put them out. But like, you know, in terms of stuff to get excited about. That that's in the pipeline for them. Like it's not a whole lot. No, no. I, I, it's it's gonna be interesting to wait and see what happens. Um, but and and I'm I'm like we talked about we talked about me and no impulse control. I'm famous <laughs> for just like buying stuff at launch and getting like burned on it. Oof, yeah. I am <laughs> yeah. I have no desire whatsoever for the NX. None. Uh, yeah. I'm like, okay, I, I think I have finally reached that saturation point. I have been burned enough by Nintendo that it doesn't it doesn't even feel like there's there's no inkling for me. If yeah. someone were to say, You can pre order yours right now, just give us twenty bucks. Right. I'd pass. Yeah, I mean it's a real like crisis moment for them. I mean yeah. the the thing of it is is that they they're they still have that huge war chest of money they made off the Wii. Um, you know, they're not like I think in dire financial straits, but like, you know, they're they are an investor driven company. They have to answer to investors. So like uh uh they're gonna wanna see a roadmap to, you know, improve profitability and engagement with their games of, of extending into the future and I there's not a whole lot they can show um to prove that. I mean that's that I, I I'm remiss because I'm not talking about the 3DS, which is, in terms of actual catalog of games, like arguably the best hardware out right now. There's so many well-designed, fun-to-play, um, creative, innovative experiences on, on the 3DS uh, um, that it it, it it by itself does numbers that rival 
Nintendo's home consoles, but like what what they need is some kind of fusion between um, the excitement that they can uh, bring to the handheld market and the, and the home market. It's going to be. It's. I mean, we'll see. The NX is supposed to be uh, going to have some portable aspects to it. Like supposed to be like a hybrid experience where part of it you'll be able to play on the go and part of it you'll be able to play at home. So, I mean, you know, Nintendo, they 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 come with innovative left field ideas so uh it'll be interesting to see how they execute here but i mean in terms of the, the big uh, hardware companies at e3 i guess how i felt um the, the games the third-party games that most had me excited um probably the the kind of retooled prey that um that uh um oh man arcane games is making mm-hmm. um they made dishonored and they're making dishonored 2 as well Mm-hmm. Um, and, they, and those games are very well designed, like great in terms of like letting you play your way and yes. these rich layered worlds, great world building um, that you can just dive in and kind of um, um, feel like you're lost in a fully realized alternate reality. Yes, um, it so I'm feel excited. Forced. No, it doesn't feel forced. Yeah. So I'm hoping Prey brings some of that too from a sci-fi kind of perspective and not steampunk like Dishonored. Um, I'm trying to think. This was oh, Horizon uh, Zero Dawn, which is the Guerrilla Games yeah. uh, <sighs> title that's coming out for <laughs> PS4. Yeah, no, it looks. I mean, and I'm somebody who, when they announced that last year, I was like, it looks good, but Guerrilla Games, they are not. They're kind of super heavy-handed with narrative. Like they made shooters, they never made anything that felt like, oh, here's a world I want to explore and get to know and and know about the backstory and the characters and the history of this place. Like they made the Killzone games, where it was kind of like shoot everybody in a given point in the map, proceed to point B, shoot everybody there, and then you know proceed to the end of the game. They make uh, pretty games that push the hardware, yeah, um, and have solid solitude mechanics. So this is going to be a completely, utterly different kind of thing for them. And based on that long demo they showed at, at, at this year's E3, it looks like it's going to be freaking great. I really okay. So I have to admit that that's a game I really want to play. Yeah. Um, and it it was pretty interesting because you know last year when when they when they first showed it when they first started showing the game last year everybody was kind of a little you know hesitant maybe a little tentative like oh but you got the, you got the main character who's looking like she's sporting some dreads and that's yeah yeah pretty interesting yeah. and and I wasn't at E3 but I but and I asked people specifically who were there and had gotten the chance to play the demo and I'm like so her hair looked a little softer now like it might be <laughs> loose and braided I was like so are they listening and I, the people that I talked to that actually played the demo said that it appears that they've changed her hair interesting. It looks the same to me in screenshot comparisons, but we'll see. <laughs> you hate everything. I don't. I, I wanted, but I wanted. I wanted. To I, I don't. Be I'm not I willing to, to give ground where ground is not deserved. <laughs> I wanted to be what I wanted to be so that I can, yeah, um, not have to be angry. So I've I've written about hair in video games, as I think you both know. Yes. Um, and uh, on that note, like I'm. I'm super excited for Mafia 3. Like, to the point where, like, I have to check myself and be like, okay, Evan, <laughs> this is not going to be, like, an artsy, indie kind of, like, deep exploration of of, of, of race in, in video games. This is going to be, you know, still a story-driven shooter. Like, so don't expect, like, you know, the equivalent of, like, Daughters of the Dust 
or 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 something like that in video <laughs> games. Um, but you know, it looks like they're going for it. Some of the stuff I'm I'm reading is that they are um, really trying to systematically implement from a game design perspective like what it feels to live in a kind of racially divided intense yes. urban environment yeah. and I mean that I mean is like a holy grail for somebody like me who's been like a, a black critic writing about video games and pop culture for as long as I have it's like we've 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 barely scratched the surface on mm-hmm. the, the possibility space there. So the fact that they're they're going to try and go for it um, is super interesting to me. And I and I tweeted this a little while ago. How we, we, this is a year 2016 is going to be a year where we have two video games, three if you count Battlefield One, with black male leads. Mm-hmm. Two of them which are explicitly invoking like the black experience, like as part of their the ethos in their game yes. um i already have some nagging suspicions about watchdogs 2 and what they're gonna go how they're gonna do it but i'm, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm reserving judgment until until the game comes out but you know i mean uh, until the game comes out i can only but say so much but like it looks like they're going for a very slick maybe too slick like hipster hacker you know um, Bay Area, Silicon Valley thing, um, which is a little facile, you know, like we were to have like Mr. Robot yep. <laughs> um, on TV, <laughs> like, you know, it, it all depends on the story they tell and how they they portray the main character and, and you know, his people, you know, like his, his crew. Yeah. Um, I think I, I already have a sense of what the successes are going to be for Mafia 3. Um, I don't have that same sense for Watch Dogs in terms of like a, 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 a kind of cultural touchstones that they're like implementing. Like, you know, I'm not talking about game design. I'm talking about, okay, okay, you want to be about some black stuff? Then um, here's what I can see you're trying to do and here's what I can see you're kind of trying to do. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. Um, it's I, I kind of kick myself. I'm like, oh, uh, I'm going to have to find about... I mean, the people of Kotaku, are, I'm still friends with my colleagues there, and, and I think I have kind of an open invitation to write about games if I still want to, and I feel like there's no way I'm not going to be writing about those games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, for all the, the anticipation I have, like, we're still, like, you know, we, video games have a long way to go. No kidding, yes. but you know what? I have to tell you, I, I cannot not be excited about Mafia 3. Yeah. Because I want so much from that game. It's, it, at, at this point, seriously, to talk about a, to talk about a black lead, period, male or female in a game, when I see that game, it's like, no, it can't be anything except what I want it to be because it's just fucking time. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel on that. Like, when I wrote The Natural, like... It it, it 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 kind of felt like an apotheosis of everything I've been feeling for like being a fan, being a critic, you know, like like it, it wrapped up all these arguments I've been making for years, some new thoughts. Like one the the one thing I still hold out for 
is like you know what I want is like a black indie movement, right? I want a, a, a black independent yes. game developer movement, like that that echoes the black arts movement of of the sixties and seventies, right? Like mm-hmm. I want like <laughs> an Amiri Baraka for video games, right? Like <laughs> I want like I want like a kind of unapologetic um, 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 for us by us mm-hmm. um, a video game document, right? Like. But but at the same time, knowing how the video game industry works from like a recruiting and and and, yeah. and mentoring perspective, like the inroads are just so hard. Like they're so hard. Yeah. Um, um, and you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and I can probably count on my hands the amount of black people that have been in decision making power of uh, a video game. There's a guy um, I want to say his name is. Either Rich Taylor or Rich Brown, I think, at EA, and I think he was the project lead on Dead Space Two, which was great, but again, was not a game that was explicitly about race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even like the Ubisoft game, Assassin's Creed games that I like for daring to go there, Assassin's Creed Liberation and Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure the, the the development leads were definitely not black. No, um, and I think. I don't even know about like anybody in like the design or other kind of creative departments were black. And again, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to be a black person to make a game about black people. Um, but like, I feel like it'll be great when we finally get there. Like, I compared the comics, you know, which is the bulk of what I write about now. And you know, Marvel is not without their flaws in terms of how they treat their characters of color. But like, the number one selling comic of 2016 is ta Coates's Coates' um, Black, Black Panther. Panther. Yeah. And I'm not going to say it's because a black man is writing and a black man is drawing it, but you read that comic and you can tell what's on their minds and what's yes. in their hearts. That's a comic book about Africa, about cultural traditions, about the weight of leadership. Um, um, and, and these are all, like, cyclical conversations and concerns that have been in the black community, the diaspora, for, like, I mean, centuries, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, the fact that, like, finally a comic book is tapping into that stuff, I think o- only, only comes to pass by the fact that black people are doing it, you know? Yeah. And I want the same thing for video games. It's yes. time been, to have that in an interactive I've, I've experience. Been wanting, I've it's been necessary, because when, when we do get it, okay... Same notes. Alicia, how I I'm going to cut, cut you off to, to make one final point. Oh, go ahead. Off. That's fine. Go ahead. So the thing, the thing about the Black Panther success is, it's not just because Tanahasi Coates is like, you know, an amazing writer who's like, ha- brings in an outside audience from his political and cultural writing. Um, it's also because you have a fan base that's been hungry, starving for this stuff, for years. Like and the same, the same is true of video games. You know, the same is true. I've I've talked to designers over the years who have been like, oh yeah, we we, we see the numbers and like you know the um, African American uh, uh, demographic group like over indexes in terms of what they purchase. Like they buy more than than other demographic groups. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. I've I've, I've lived <laughs> amongst uh, uh, them, us for years. Like you you go to a game store in a major urban center and like. For for them for 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 companies to say that the audience is not there is just bullshit and it has been for years. So, you know, hopefully they start to realize that. Anyway, Alicia, I cut you off. No, it's fine. I was just going to say that so often we see games attempt 
And there's always, there's almost always something that makes me think, and that was exactly what you said, like there'll be one or two maybe actual black people involved in the creation of a game, but you can tell in the other levels of it that maybe people weren't even consulted, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a really good recent example is the Michonne game from Telltale where she she had dreads in the front. (laughs) See, I like that game a lot. Great. I don't like the visual presentation of it. And I love their other Walking Dead games, but that one made me really upset because it felt like it, it felt very much like a facade in terms of how she was presented. I, I, I like what the, the character development she got in, in, in that miniseries. I loved like being able to like experience like a story driven by this exploration of of motherhood from a black woman's perspective. I do really like to how they handled the trauma. Yeah. I do think though that it was somewhat handicapped by the fact that there's not any real suspense to what's going to happen to your main character because of the way they positioned the story. Yeah, it was a prequel, so you know she's going to survive. Right. Like yeah. that it was it was before things that had happened in the comics, so you knew how that was going to come out. You knew even of the people around her, really, who was going to survive. And, right. and I, you know, from a narrative perspective, I think that maybe that was not perhaps the best choice. But I did really like the it going into the trauma of her experience. And I think in that sense, they took a lot of that out of the show version of her. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I was really happy to see it explored in depth somewhere. But, man, that I just got really angry about her hair. Like, every time I would turn the game on, I would, I would want to turn it right back off. It didn't bother me that much. <laughs> That's okay. Did you but play it, it Sam? <laughs> no, you know what? I did not. I have to admit, I did not because, and I'm going to admit it. Too close to home. Okay, I have, I, I have, yes, I have issues with children in games mm-hmm. that just kind of send me over the edge. Yeah, um, and the endangerment, child endangerment in games. Yeah. yeah. It, it yeah, no, that was me. That was the first game where I was like, "Ooh, I can't." Yeah, I, I mean, I had to take like a little break, and but yeah, it was, it was, and it's funny. I've 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 kind of prided myself on not being vulnerable in that way ever since becoming a father, but that game was like, oh, well, goddamn, you know, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she just does, you know, like something bad happened to her kid. She doesn't know. Or, or she does know and she's blocking it out and I can't just handle it because, you know, if my, if my kid gets a mosquito bite, uh, I'm like, oh man, here we go. You know, this is, this is trauma that needs to be dealt with. <laughs> um, more for her than for me, but like, yeah. So like the idea that like these kids are like in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, I can't, I cannot imagine. It just, it causes me a, not, it causes me not only this kind of apprehension but it it almost paralyzes me in play right especially if you know it's coming so I get to the point and it happens in in all games where there are children and you know that something something in order for the narrative to progress something has got to happen to the kid so at this at some point I'm playing up to it and I'm like I, I can't progress past this point because it feels like I have too much agency 
in yeah. those cases and it feels like because I am progressing through the game I am progressing that narrative and I am causing that harm yeah so yeah. I can't um, and, and so I just kind of steer clear <laughs> and it you know once my once my daughter is older maybe um, maybe I can go back to it it's hard yeah I, I can't um, so so when this game came out and I was like oh nope nope that's a big old yeah. bucket of nope for me. I can't yeah, do that yeah. one. I have a lot of that those same issues. We've talked about this before, but Michonne is my favorite character in the franchise, so I was willing to like fight through it. But I think that's also part of why I, I got my back up about some of the ways that they were presenting her. I was like, this is not Michonne. Um, but yeah, it's it's really difficult when children are used in that way as like emotional fodder mm-hmm. yeah. in games. Like, yeah. like uh, Jason and um, in Heavy Rain, right? Like, uh, like it, it's a, it's a, it's a shallow kind of narrative manipulation. Yes. To, uh, and then you're like, okay, but th- this kid was never really a character, you know. Um, it's effective, like you know, probably like seventy five percent of the time. But like, y- even when it is effective, you know that you're being your strings are being pulled, right? It's, and that's like, yeah, just because it's effective doesn't mean it's well done. Right, right. Um, um, or there's a sliding scale, right? Because it's a very easy trope to invoke. Yeah. But you know, like we're talking about Michonne, and the thing for me is that when you get you think about the landscape and the horizon of games yet to come, like she's kind of it when it comes to black women. Oh like, yeah, no. Uh, um, we're talking like, about this nobody's a lot. nobody's coming down the pike, like. No. It was great. It was great. Like a, two years ago, when Remember Me came out, which was the game that had its flaws, but like, you know, yeah, a black woman. And again, she was a model. The, 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 her narrative wasn't something that was like uh, primarily built to tap into the black experience. But like, I think I wrote about this too. Like, there are some illusions there where that were really effective. Um, um, that like, okay, if you wanna you know, do some extra interpretive work in your head and, and build a, a headcanon around this character in this game. Like, yeah, you know, th- there's some stuff there that could be really interesting. Um, and, you know, uh, since since Aveline in, in Assassin's Creed Liberation, like, those two, the only major black women playable uh, lead characters yeah. in a game that I can remember in recent memory. There was a great black woman character in Uncharted 4, but she was an antagonist. You're you're not playing as her, yeah. Um, and she she was voiced by a, by a white woman, which I have a, yeah. some issue with. Um, <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I've talked about it. I'm sure you guys have too. But yeah. it's like it feels like a half measure, you know? Yeah. She's a character, great character, well written, well well performed. It's not like the performance was terrible, but like somebody else could have done a good performance too. It feels like the same the same kind of bone that they throw out when they make somebody like really ambiguously brown. Right. We're like, you know, oh, we're going to make him so that, yeah, I guess you could claim him if you want to, but we still want him to be white enough so that it's okay. Right. Right. You know, so, and it's, it's bullshit. So that people don't, uh, people don't pull a, people don't pull a watchdogs too and get all bent out of shape because yeah. all of a sudden, you know, the protagonist I, they wanted is not the protagonist they've gotten. I mean, you know, I, I just feel like if you, on one hand, you can say that, oh, we're committed to, to diversifying our characters and look, but it's like okay, that's great. But the the I think the more pressing issue is the behind the scenes talent, you know. So that eventually, you know, 
some game designer, some voice actor, some concept artist will have the necessary experience and tools and mentorship to go off on his own and execute his own vision. You know, like uh, it's not unheard of that this, that kind of stuff happens. Uh, but if you don't have um, entree or access to the industry um, and, 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 and professional development, it's not going to happen. Um, and that's frustrating. So, yeah. Uh, but, you know, black women in video games continues to be like this, this magical unicorn kind of strata um, that uh, appears way, way too infrequently. And, you know, like it's pop, pop, pop culture problem. But again, I just don't think, you know, the, the, the bean counters, people in creative uh, decision making positions like get the the thirst and the hunger that's out there for 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 these kind of characters to simply exist that's the thing that you know i've been doing this for so long and it's like i all we're still just talking like like brass tacks 101 foundation level shit you know like mm -hmm. let's create a critical mass of characters so that the, step one we're here step two the, 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 let's, let's create some variation right like here's how this character is different from that character or this experience is different from that experience and you know step three and beyond is like okay where are the intra conflicts you know where are the where are the dissonances like where where are the you know the various differentiations of texture and like all that stuff like which if you look at music you know or tv or, or, or any other medium or, or literature any other medium where like black people have managed to have a kind of solid base of, of representation and participation like you know there's all kinds of interesting you know like uh, uh, visions that, that come out as a result I, I'm friends with um, Matt Johnson he's a novelist he uh, yeah. he wrote yeah last year he put out um, uh, Loving Day um, it's about, into, uh, about a biracial man who um, finds out that he has a teenage daughter um who never knew she was part black, so she identifies, uh, you know, as non-black. And he's like, well, you know, she's like, she strikes a deal with him, Dad, I need to graduate high school. I just find out you exist. You owe me because you haven't been around. And help me graduate high school. He's like, okay, if, I, if we're going to do this, you're going to go to a black school. And um, um, the book becomes this exploration of, like, how we construct our identities. It's, you know, it's two, it's two biracial characters, so there's a, there's a, there's, there's, variation right like there's like a whole scale of like okay how do you identify why do you identify and like that's only possible because like you know we've had a hundred plus years of, of black people writing about identity construction in literature yeah. like you know we we don't even have the beginnings of 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 a foundation like that in video games and no. people like people are like oh it's a young medium i'm like it's not that young it's not <laughs> we could have gotten there already you know yeah absolutely and you know you you don't necessarily expect it to come from corporate-driven um, um, entities, uh, but but the the thing that makes my outlook kind of bleak is like the indie space um, um, doesn't seem to be nurturing that kind of um, possibility either. I cut you off, Sam. Go ahead. No, it's okay because uh, what I've been thinking a lot about lately, and, and and to talk about you know where games have come from and the fact that games are not as new a medium as people like to like to claim 
yeah. right? It's thinking about like nostalgia and w- and what we feel Oof. when yeah. we play a lot of these games. It's like when and I think about you know black characters. I think specifically when you start thinking about black characters and characters in games, you think about the Grand Theft Autos, right? Right. Um, and you have those. At least I do. I have those moments when I start playing a new Grand Theft Auto, right? Before the characters have kind of fully developed and kind of fully um, exposed themselves to be yeah. um, as problematic as they generally tend to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, you have that moment where you feel so connected to the character because Rockstar is really good at hitting you hard up front and yep. making you feel like this is my moment. This is it. This will do it for me, right? This will be that, like, and, and I had this when, when I was playing the last, when I was playing the last Grand Theft Auto, right? I started playing the game. The music started, right? And, you know, it started to bring back all of these memories of not only, I'm old, the black exploitation movies of the 70s, but yeah. also the, the later black exploitation movies of the 90s. 90s, yep. But the ones that had this, this, they were they were rooted in the black exploitation movies of the seventies, but they had this meaning that you were meant to pull from them. And yep. I was like, "This." You're talking about like Boys in the Hood. Yes. Society. This yeah. is. I'm like, this is this is this is it. This will do this. This will do this for games. And that lasted a, an hour. You were, were, you're talking about you're talking about GTA Five. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it lasted and, an hour, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, right. And I, I I had a problem with GTA Five because I had the same kind of like feedback loop as you did, right? But at the same time, I'm like I'm playing I'm playing as as Franklin, mm-hmm. and and I'm like this is kind of retreading stuff they did in San Andreas, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the Compton Crenshaw hood flick kind of like hey dog, you know <laughs> like like. And I'm a, I'm an East Coast head, so you know my biases at, are are probably like obvious. But like, I'm like we we done this, y'all done this already. Like mm-hmm. you've done this. Like, uh, uh, you got you gotta you gotta figure out something else. You know, like it wouldn't hurt nothing to have Michael, the been a black guy. You know, like, yes. uh, uh, the the retired crook who's made good but feels like yes. the, emptiness in his life because that adrenaline rush of, of pulling off crimes isn't there anymore like you can make any of those characters black or all of them gasp um <laughs> and nothing about that just the, the 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 character tensions in that story changes you know yeah. um um so yeah like that's 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 a frustrating thing like uh you know you can have a character like john luther on luther and i wrote about this in, in, in the naturals like but like his his character Nothing about his character needs to be black, but he just is black, and that's great. Yes, it you know? is. Yes, like you don't. He doesn't have to like all of a sudden like get on the soapbox about the ghetto or you know uh, whatever the hell. Like again, from a, from a fan perspective, if you want to build out a head cannon uh, where like you feed that stuff into your 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 relationship with the character, that's great. There's they left enough space for that. But, like, nothing about him needs to be black. And it's the same thing with video games. It's like, okay, well, if we're doing a black character, we have to make him black. 
And that's yeah. the thing I think Watch Dogs yeah. 2 is going to do. And they're going to fuck it up <laughs> if that's where they're going. Yep, because you know? once, once they get into that, we have to make them black, right? The you know yeah. That's when you get into the really fucked up stereotypes. That's when you get into all of the things that ruin a character. And yeah. the funny thing was is that people got so pissed off between Watch Dogs and Mafia and Lord Have Mercy, FIFA, having <laughs> yeah having black characters i was like you know what would just be perfect in my dream world we would all wake up tomorrow and all the game all, all the all the development houses would come up and say you know what we all got together last night and we decided that every game we release for the next 12 months is going to have all black characters so we're just gonna redraw everybody black yeah i know like you know, give me give me a deal a DLC pack in fit next February that makes me like, hey, you know what? Everybody in Tomb Raider is a black person now. Guess what? Nothing changes at all. Exactly. Um, um, but you know, I mean, I'm sure you guys are aware of Rust and the, the kind of experiments mm-hmm. they've been doing with characterization yeah. there. Yeah. And like, man, when you take that shit out of people's hands, they get pissed. No kidding. And and it's huh. hilarious. It's hilarious to me because you know. When you come from a marginalized background, whether it's in terms of race or gender identity, like the the retort is universal and patently obvious. It's like, hmm, you're mad because you don't get to play as somebody who looks like you. Yeah, I wonder funny? what that feels like. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, I do know what that feels like. I know I've known what it's felt like for thirty freaking years. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's for, it's interesting to see how like when you turn the tables, um, and people don't get to like you know recreate themselves in virtual form, uh, uh, they get annoyed, or they feel like there's some kind of agenda at work. It's like, well, if there's an agenda at work in one version of this paradigm, don't you think there's an agenda at work in the more prevalent, entrenched, um, oh, hegemonic no, version no, of this paradigm? No, you're just being an SJW. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I've been branded one of those uh, pretty much since the term came into existence. Which I'm, but I'm like, you know, like this has been my entire career has been writing about representation in pop culture. Like, you know, not by accident, no. But I'm like, people are like, you have an agenda. Like, my agenda is to like see my see the full humanity of of, of my existence and the existence of people like me and all people really. Um, but I'm, I talk most about what's close to home because I can talk about it authoritatively. But like that's what I want. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? It, 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 I, I was moved to tears to hear Crayol in a video game. You know, I'm Haitian. I'm Haitian American, and you know, never in my life would I ever ever have thought I would have heard like Haitian Crayol in a video game. Like ever, ever, ever. Like, and there it was in Freedom Cry and Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry. And I'm like, well, shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and. You thought you were ready, because I'm a professional. I knew what the game was about. You know, I knew where, where it was set. But the, the 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 minute those voices started talking, I'm like, I need to put the controller down and compose myself because there's clearly a lot more going on internally for me than 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 I was I was ready for. And like, you know, the the the, the common experience I, I hear when I when I write about this stuff from other people who come from Latino backgrounds. From 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 first 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 nation backgrounds, Native American backgrounds, they're like, yeah, we want that. I'm like, I feel you, I feel you. Yeah. Like, you know, that's the thing with the first Prey game that was uh, released ages ago. They had a Native American lead character, and so when this Prey was announced, 
there were rumors of it coming for a long time. People were like, oh, I hope to get back to that. So they have an Asian lead, or a lead that is apparently Asian here. And that's a step in the right direction. But, like, I feel for, like, my my Na- Native American First Nation brothers and sisters who are like, oh, we don't get to have one now, huh? We got to wait. Yeah. Like, yeah. you yeah, know, there's only, a- like, one, so. Yeah, yeah. And that's why Far Cry 2 was a game that was really kind of intuitively ahead of its time. Because I remember you could choose your companion character, the lead character, and it was all people from different backgrounds um, and, and different, uh, you know, skin tones. And it was like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, I can have somebody, like, who, by by the simple virtue of echoing a little bit of where I come from, feels that more connected and worthwhile to me. And from a game design perspective, you want that. You want that attachment, right? Mm-hmm. So it feels like the stakes are upped, or at least existent, extant, I should say. Like, there's stakes there that, you, by simple virtue of, of making your representation of your game better, the stakes for... For and players who would otherwise be disinterested are like more interested. It's, I mean, it's what, it's so simple. Oh, it continues to frustrate me that people don't get it. I'm sorry. Go it, ahead, Ali. No, no. That's, I just wanted to say it's totally correct because there's this sense that that so many of the the marketing teams and whatever they feel like they can't measure potential audience, right? Like they they're not sure that the audience is really there. But there are so many studies that prove exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Like that connection is increased. Uh, if you have the chance to play somebody who is similar to you that you can connect to. So the potential may not be able to be measured in a specific marketing sense, just like all the other reports, but it can be measured. Yeah. There's no reason not to diversify game leads. You know, it was really, really interesting. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we uh, talked to um, Amy Fredine, who was the, the cultural liaison on Never Alone. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Love that game. Love what they did with that game. Yes, it's amazing. I mean, and to okay, so you have to go back and listen to that podcast because this woman was amazing when she started to talk about the rationale um, of of the the tribal of the tribal organization to um, to, to to pursue this game, right? Because yeah. they they actually went out and and pursued um, Elon to to make this game for them, not the other way around, which was which is you know kind of mind blowing, but when she started to talk about the connection, the cultural connection, to talk about the stories, to talk about the the role that the elders played in the development. Okay, I'm going to admit it. I sat here and I cried like a baby. No, I mean, it's like, I mean, I, I interviewed those guys too, and I wrote about the game a couple of times, I reviewed it, and they're like, our culture is dying. Yes. You know, like, it, it, it's, 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 uh, uh, you know, we're going to have our artifacts, but the, in terms of like the population and the reach, the footprint of the culture, it's shrinking, right? Yes. And and you're going to have, you know, like uh, 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 a whole kind of mode of storytelling and history keeping that's going to disappear. And you're like, we want to preserve it. And the fact that they chose a video game model to yeah. do that is amazing. Yeah. And, you know, am I most cynical? I feel like, yeah, video games don't even deserve that, that, that much benefit of the doubt, right? Like, yeah. But there they were. They gave it. And, like, you know, the game from a game design standpoint is kind of structurally kind of um, 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 standard. Mm-hmm. But, like, the overall takeaway of that game and, like, when those people start talking, those folk tales and, like, survival methods about living in a place where, like, it's freaking freezing like 90% of the year mm-hmm. like you better believe I remember that shit yeah 
it's yeah so yeah like that, that and again it's like the same thing with 1979 revolution right like have you guys played you know i'm sure you know about the game yep. but have you played it yeah i haven't played it like like so now Kansari, i've interviewed him and talked to him a bunch of times and he's like look you know like people don't know what went down in iran you know in the 1970s and before like people don't know it's one of the most kind of misunderstood unfairly vilified countries in the world and while yeah there is bad leadership bad actors in the global stage um um you need to understand where that comes from mm-hmm. not to justify what the current governments and people in power are doing but just to understand what the actual people who live inside that oppression went through and continue to go through like you know that game had a non-demonizing uh, portrayal of islam in that game which is like are you freaking kidding me like when does that i mean that, that that's <laughs> like a, a a a rare butterfly on a, in like in a volcanic eruption that is the video game industry like <laughs> it how how that manages to get out there and flitter away um um yeah and it's super important you know like it's personal it's documentary documentarian like it's it's uh an amazing work like that really made you feel like okay i understand some of what went on there and i'm interested to know more and like a lot of video games that are set in the middle east don't do that no no you stomp through you shoot your gun you know like you 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 some thinly veiled version of al-qaeda or isis or whatever Yep. Terrorist organization, you you kill those guys, you save the day, and and the damage you 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 wreck um, in the middle of the campaign doesn't get uh, talked about or addressed, and you no. know that that's exact completely different. Even like games like this War of Mine, where, which is the same deal, which is like yeah, all the shooting's done, um, and this was like to survive in wartime, mm-hmm. um, and you know I feel like. That's not like a, a racially driven kind of gameplay experience, but like it, it does come from an outlier vision when it comes to what, like what we if what we talk about the mainstream game market. Like the, the, those guys took a significant risk in terms of the, the gameplay uh, goals that they that they went into that game with, and it, I think it paid off for them pretty well. But like, yeah, it's 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 frustrating to see how conservative the the kind of yes. convention conventional wisdom is around a video game production is and again I, we can't expect the big corporate companies to like take risks all the time but like there is data out there that supports them taking a risk every once in a while and a lot more companies are doing it that you know they they have that they have set aside you know x amount of their budget to produce kind of smaller quote unquote they call them indies but they're not really but smaller yeah. kind of Art, artsy, they have their, their small art house studios in house, yeah. right? Where they produce yeah. those kinds of games. EA put out uh, Yarny, um, right? No, Unravel. Unravel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, everybody calls it Yarny, right? And and uh, Insomniac has that has that new little game that they're doing with GameStop, Song of the Deep. Right, right, right. right. So right. you have you have companies that are actually doing this, but like you say, because you don't have kind of. A developer base of folks of color in there, they they they're not there to take advantage of it as well. And you know, and you look at Hollywood, like, and it's a double-edged sword. But Hollywood, you know, the 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 major development studios for TV, like they have like diversity kind of uh, uh, participation programs where like the studio will pay for a person of color to be in the writers' room. 
that's that 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 means the it's either the studio or the network but like somebody's footing the bill to get a brown black person um you know a, a marginalized person in in the writer's room and that's overhead that the 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 other entity doesn't have to worry about mm-hmm. the problem is it often gets regarded as an affirmative action placement right like not a not a merit-based placement like you're here because somebody's paying for you to be here not because you earned your spot um um that's problematic but like you know if if you're on some work twice as hard shit like maybe you'll impress somebody enough to like to 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 open a door for yourself um um video games don't even have that no um, and that's frustrating, you know. I mean, uh, it, it's 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 weird because you know, I feel like the criticism around this kind of stuff, and I'm kind of count myself out because I don't want to pat myself on the own back. But you've got people like Austin Walker, my boy, who's who's a giant bomb, was about to start up uh, as the, Vice, the yeah. yeah, he's gonna he's gonna move to Vice. Uh, for, to build their gaming vertical, like there are people like Maddie Bryce and people like Gita Jackson, mm-hmm. like you know when they write about this stuff, like it's great. But like the the actual uh, cultural production that we that we choose to comment on, it's like it's it's, it's there's such a paucity of content where it's like you know when people tell me, oh Evan, I love the fact that you write about that stuff, this stuff. Um, I'm like, yeah, so do I. I just wish there was more of it to write about. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm, I write about comics now, mostly, and and it, I've had a busy time because, you know, Marvel Comics just killed off a major black character, and I get it from a story logic perspective, but I'm like, you're still losing a character that has 30, 40 years of history who's just gone, you know? Yeah. I know it made sense to kill War Machine in Civil War Two, but, like, he was a black character who, like, weathered the storms of, like, comics boom and bust periods right like he managed to be there he he got on screen in the avengers movies and the iron man movies and now he's just dead and it's like yeah you might replace him with somebody else there's a, a young character named Riri williams who's like a black girl at mit 15 year old genius the writer brian bendis told me that he, you know she's smarter than tony stark i'm like that's great but if the fans hate her in 2016 she ain't gonna be around Mm-mm. you know like Rhodey, Rhodey had, had had earned his spot he was locked in and and you know it's 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 as charged charged in comics fandom as it is in video game fandom um sometimes i feel like it's more or less so but it depends on the day um but at least the the larger point i'm making is at least in in comics i have enough of that to chew on when i want to right when i feel driven to Mm -hmm. um in, in video games there's not there's just not enough you know sustenance if that's the kind of stuff you're interested in playing or commenting or writing about, like there's just not enough of it. Yeah, there's not. And it does seem like in almost all of these mediums, it sure is awfully easy to just kill off the characters of color because they're not at center. Yeah. Like I, I don't watch uh, Sleepy Hollow, but I saw the shit deflected they got. And I'm like, somebody, if, if they had the right people in that room, somebody would have been like, yeah, y'all shouldn't have done that. Well, right yeah. now, the big thing is with Orange is the New Black. I don't think I'm going to watch it anymore. Honestly, this season has been fucking terrible. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't watch it, but I've, I've seen the, some of the commentary on Twitter and, and, and social media about uh, apparently just they're, they're doing a whole the, the Dominican faction in the, in the prison now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people are annoyed at the portrayal 
because they're using like, oh, okay, there's anti-blackness within this this Dominican community, but like, who are the people who are executing this storyline? Um, what do they look like? Where do yeah. they come from? Right. Yeah. I, I'm. I have a lot of feelings about that, and I don't <laughs> want to derail this conversation. Uh, <laughs> Suffice to say, I'm very dissatisfied with that show, and I'm probably not ever going to watch it again. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 weird because, like, on one hand. And this is the complicated relationship when you're like a marginalized consumer of pop culture. Like, there's a part, there's a part of you that reacts like that first initial thrill. Hey, any representation, right? Like, but you know, depending on the quality of 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 of, of the work, like that thrill either curdles or or uh, builds on itself. You know, like I mean. I hear it all the time from like you know trans or or, or queer friends of mine. You're like, oh great, here's a character that kind of invokes my experience. But then you're like, okay, what well, you have the, you've got that internal countdown clock to like the wince, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, when is this gonna make me embarrassed? Like, when is this gonna? When are they gonna get something wrong? You know, like, and 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 you know, like, there's always a conversation about like, oh, okay, if you're creative, like you know. You don't want to. You want to be beholden only to your own vision and not the prevailing wisdom of what is "quote unquote" right or wrong with a particular kind of portrayal. I get that. I respect that. But like, if if you're getting some shit wrong, you're getting it wrong. If you're pissing off a lot of people, then like you may not be on the right side of 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 the execution that you thought you were you were um, aiming for. And like, you know, it it it, it, it only but from a from a dialogue an honest dialogue about like ambition, execution, disappointment, those kind of things. Like that's the only way these, these mediums grow. And, and again, the fr- frustration with video games right now is like, there's like, everything is so charged where, it, where it feels like the, the, that, that dialogue is, is stifled. Like things, yes. you know, I've been doing this a long time. Things feel worse now about those kind of conversations mm-hmm. than they did six or seven years ago like i remember i wrote about resident evil 5 (laughs) pissed a lot of people off Mm -hmm. um but there was like a kind of component of the conversations around it they were like okay we can do better we need to learn you know etc etc like let's not let's not be the people that make this mistake now it's like well yeah fuck it we did what we did or you have people jumping to defend um, uh, under-realized work, and it's like, yeah, you, I mean, you, the, the room or the goodwill for a conversation seems to have evaporated, and that's really frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, trust me, it's it's, it's interesting because because we laugh because it's always a countdown around here about when you know it's like. Sam Sam wrote something about race. Let's count down yeah. to, to the number of minutes it's going to take for our for our email box to fill up and our and our uh, our mentions Twitter to turn, our Twitter, yeah. Twitter mentions to turn mm-hmm. to garbage because everybody is deeply offended by something I've said and right. it, and I'm like really really I can just say look we got a black character and all of a sudden mentions turn to a trash fire. I mean, it's... Yeah. And it's like, you know, like, you're not allowed to have any kind of voice about that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
I say aloud loosely, but it's like you know the good the the assumption of of goodwill um, uh, has evaporated, and people always cry out agenda, agenda, agenda. It's like, well, may, maybe uh, my only agenda is dialogue. You know, maybe my only agenda is like a better portrayal. Mm-hmm. Maybe the only agenda I have is the the improved, you know, creative possibility space for the medium that I like. Like maybe that's my agenda. You know, because like, let me tell you something. If people think I'm trying to push to, uh, to have more black people in video games on the screen and, and, and behind the scenes, like as an agenda, like I ain't getting, I don't, I mean, people like you get paid to do this. Like I, I get paid to be a critic and write about the things that I care about and like and interest me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I don't get like a bonus for, 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 <laughs> for, 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 for stomping for melanin in my games. Like there's nothing like that in my contract. Um, you know? But but people want to have these theories about like uh, 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 why criticism happens without realizing um, that that those theories themselves are driven by like norms that they're not recognizing. Yeah, yeah. The the firm ability to never ever look outside oneself. Yeah. And again, I feel like again, if you're somebody who comes from an othered group. Like, you don't have the luxury of not doing that. <laughs> I mean, I never did, but... No. And I don't think the people who are coming after me are going to have it either. No. We, we always have the cheeriest conversations on our podcast. Sorry. I mean... <laughs> no, oh, no. It's not just no, you. It's a reflection <laughs> of, of how... The, the fact that we, we have been having this conversation for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in various forms, I think is a, is an extremely sad reflection on where we've come in the industry. And I agree with you. I think it's it's much worse right now. And that's looking from the perspective as an outsider. I mean, you know, there there are times when I will like just roll around in my white privilege so I can say some shit that nobody else can say. Um, but watching conversations and how they get reaction, the kind of reactions that they garner now is just i mean it's sometimes it's terrifying yeah that like you feel like there are only certain kinds of criticisms that you can make and only certain kinds of opinions that you can have otherwise you have to deal with you know this avalanche of nonsense mm-hmm. and it, it it's you start to feel like well what's the point nothing's changing yeah. not really and it feels like it, it, any intention you have to be a good faith operator within the ecosystem, like the marketplace of ideas, if you want to get lofty about it, but like any intention you have there automatically gets negated because you're swimming against the tide. You know, people, people feel like that doesn't even exist anymore. So it's like, okay, great. You know, like if we can't even have like civil respectful conversations Mm -hmm. about this stuff, which is important to people because people are, people think there's automatically some kind of agenda at work. Like if we if we can't even like the basic like Robert rules of order can't be <laughs> followed, then like it's 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 a, it's a shame. Yeah, yeah, and and, and it's it's like it's, it, like you said it's amazing because you can't stop and say, I just want to have a conversation about this when people are so busy attempting to scream you down and yeah. tell you all the ways that you are being racist. For yeah. saying you want not not 
50% representation, but just representation, Some? period. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And more than like two kinds of marginalized people, like the real urban ones and then the ones that are basically recolored white. That'd be nice. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, who are you to say? Who are you to say? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's apparently you know, not it's, as important as important to you, right? You know, it's, 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 I mean, you know, so, so the, the, the problem bringing it back to like the thing we're all here to talk about, the problem with that a game like Mafia 2 and Watch Dog 2 faces is that, yeah, like you're gonna have to be like the Sydney Portier of video games this year. <laughs> You know, like you're the one who got in, so you you need to make us look good, which is a ridiculous amount of pressure for any game to have, right? Like it's just it's kind of unfair. Um, but yeah, nobody gauges all white men by Nathan Drake. Right, right, um, and and they're better for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but but yeah, that is exactly that. So like it's 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 when you don't have enough, the few that you do have get this disproportionate amount of responsibility and pressure and attention and and that's not healthy either you know like uh 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 you know i i can't attribute to one person but like there's the idea that like you know black people will really be equal when they can fuck up on the on the, on the same level that that their white counterparts can and and that's not the case all you have to do look at the, the obama presidency and just be like oh yeah no yeah, post-racial no. what no he got specific pointed kinds of criticism and 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 hatred uh, by virtue of his race. Not not because of his even even if people had critiques about his performance, um, um, people who were ideologically you know opposite from him, like they managed to couch it in in, in racially charged language. And it's like okay, yeah. I guess that's that 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 equality ain't ain't here yet. Right. And, but those are the same people that say we're, we're post racial because we have a black president. Right. You know you want to have you want to you want to. Um, basically uh claim a a state of affairs which doesn't exist um um so that you can silence um any critique that's out there which you know that's not that's not part of the game not at least not as far as i'm concerned and it was it was a blast talking to you about all this um because i think you know like i said this is this is something that's this near and dear to our hearts and to just kind of sit back and, and have a conversation is always it's always a privilege uh, to 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 do so. so. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, so a lot of times when I talk about this stuff, I feel like, oh, you're just repeating yourself. But like, you know, I mean, until things change significantly, <laughs> <laughs> you kind of got to. Kinda got <laughs> what to, else yeah. are you gonna do? But also, like, you know, conversations like these like also help me. Like, okay, like. The more you talk about it, the more you get better about talking about it and finding different angles and stuff like that. Um, um, which is why, you know, like, I'm not necessarily writing about video games day in, day out anymore, but I'm still going to be thinking about it and trying to uh, talk about it. And, and you got you to gotta sharpen the blade. You got to keep the blade sharp if, if you want to stay in the game. And I'm, I'm going to try and do that as, as far as this stuff is concerned. Absolutely. So, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. I mean, you you got to talk to me about this one. So when Mafia Three comes out, uh-huh. we are either going to have to get together and talk about how this is the best game we have ever played in terms of having a black male protagonist, or we're gonna have to sit and drink brown liquor and lemonade 
<laughs> and <laughs> and cry into our glasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's gonna, you know, the, the, the I hate to sound trite about it, but like the reality is probably gonna be somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah. Um, um, but you know, I'm just like super interested to see where they land. You know, like I want to say they have some black creatives in 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 the writing room there, like uh, who are helping shape the narrative. I could be wrong, but I want to say that they do. Um, um, they might have them at Ubisoft for Watch Dogs 2. Uh, but, like, you know, already at the gate, like, <laughs> the texture for, the, for Mafia 3 looks far more interesting than what they're going to want to do for Watch Dogs um, 2. You know, it might, it might, Watch Dogs might surprise me, but, like, um, I already know that, that, that Mafia is going to have some things that I'm interested in from an intellectual perspective. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we can convene. <laughs> that, that's good. I'm gonna hold you to that because, like I said, that that when you said that that was that was the game that you were waiting for, that is the game that I am. I'm just sitting. I'm like, this is gonna be it. I'm like, I have been playing. I'm old. I've been playing games for 40 years now. <laughs> yeah. And this this is the game I've been waiting for for 40 years. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's it's wild to think. It's wild and sad, right? Like you know, okay, yeah, this this is it. You know, like again, <laughs> if I've been waiting for like the do the right thing in video games it's like this is not that but yeah. it's the closest i'm gonna get so yeah. i'm gonna have to engage with it um ladies i had a ton of fun it was a blast thank you for joining us thank you uh, thank you for having me and i'll come back you know uh, uh, uh as, as the topics of the day merit it um <laughs> yeah this is so great. like all the time then because you know they're always relevant i know, I know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, as time permits, right? Time and life permits. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again for joining us, Evan. It's hey, been a thank blast. you guys. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, Sam. See ya. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. And I just wanted to say before we close out the evening that uh, this goes up on Friday, then tomorrow, as you're listening to this tomorrow, uh, June 25th, Bianca Batty and I will be in Chicago at Woman Made Gallery this month. They're doing a video game themed exhibit. They've got all these different events. And Saturday afternoon from noon to four, Bianca and I will be speaking uh, on a panel about games and representation and lots of different subjects that you'll probably find very interesting if you happen to be in the Chicago area. Swing by come and chat with us it's going to be a very kind of give and take conversation and we'll be happy to see you it sounds like it's going to be amazing i I wish i could be there but i'm going to be at home planning a minecraft birthday (laughs) party i know and i'm sorry that you can't come because if anybody was unruly you could take care of them yeah see i'd be the i'd be the bouncer in the audience Well, if you're out there, please come by and see us. And uh, the exhibit at Woman Made Gallery runs through the end of July. So if you can't make it on Saturday to see us, go and see that. Uh, It looks really wonderful. Great. And with that, that will bring us to the end of episode 130. So many. So many episodes. And they keep getting better. It was great to talk to Evan tonight. That was a lot of fun. Um, So until next time, when we are having other great conversations for episode (laughs) 131, (laughs) I was like, never tell anybody what comes next. Um, 
we always have three things to say, and that's stay cool. And if it's anything like Indiana around these times, stay dry. Don't get blown away. And as always, my friends, game on. Game on.